This is Cody Smith, and you're listening to the Virtuous Fitness Podcast. What is up, you guys? Welcome back to the Virtuous Fitness Podcast. I've got a couple cool topics that we are going to go over today on the show. First and foremost, we'll jump into weekend nutrition tactics. This is going to be for my, uh, my weekend warriors out there. Um, the second one we're going to jump into is best practice for training and nutrition when you are stressed. And then my favorite ways to program. Uh, and of course, that's going to be based off of how many days you train and you know whatever your training age and goals are. But before we jump into the show, I need your help. The goal with the show always is to grow and to be one of the biggest and best uh, fitness podcasts that there are on iTunes. Now, the only way that I can do that is with the help of my listeners and those of you who have been following me along the way. You can help by first taking a screenshot on your phone and then posting on your Instagram story and then tagging me in it. I am at Coach Cody Smith. And again, we do that because uh, the, the goal of this show always is to get into the hands of as many people as possible. And so I need your help to do that. You can share it with a friend. You can share it with a coworker. You can share it with a family member, your brother, your sister. It doesn't really matter. Just get it into the hands of at least one person. So that's the first thing you can do. The second thing you can do, and really it's even more important than the first, would be to head over to iTunes and then give the show a five-star rating and review. This helps us to move up the charts on iTunes and to rank higher, making us more searchable and more available to the world and to, to those that are looking for this information. So uh, take that screenshot, leave the rating and review, and then let's go ahead and jump into the show. So the first thing we're going to jump into is the weekend nutrition tactics. Now, I'll tell you, the reason why people struggle with their nutrition on the weekends is because they're they're their normal schedule is completely thrown off. I mean, if you really think about it, from Monday through Friday for most people, we wake up at the same time, we eat breakfast at the same time, we go to work at the same time, we eat lunch at the same time, we eat our snacks, we eat our dinner, we, we train at the same time, we go to sleep at the same time. Like it's very cyclical. So it makes it easy and very habitual in nature to eat and to practice nutrition a certain way. Now, when you insert the weekend, that schedule is a lot more variable, right? You, you may go to sleep at a, at a later time, or you may wake up at a later time. Uh, there, there's a lot of things that have changed. Maybe you only meal prep Monday through Friday. There, these different changes as they come along can really interrupt how you do that. Uh, and then if you throw in on top of that, the social events that people mostly partake in on the weekends as well, and, and it really screws things up. So... Uh, I want to give you three of my favorite tactics. One of them I actually do uh, periodically, and, and I'm not doing one of the. I'm not doing really any of these right now because I'm going through the 75 hard program, which means there's no cheat meals, there's no coming off the rails of the diet, lots of training, lots of water, lots of reading, and uh, I can't really do any of these because there's no leeway. But uh, if you listen to the show, ultimately you want to achieve sustainable results and you want to be able to do things for the long term and uh, be successful with them. You can't be, you can't do 75 hard forever. Uh, so I'll give you these three tactics, but um, uh, I'll share these three tactics. And as we go through, make sure to, you know, if you got a notepad, if you got something handy, find out which one may be the, the most helpful for you. And then I would definitely encourage you to implement that. Uh, so first and foremost, um, I recommend trying to plan around what you have each day. Uh, an example would be if you, you know, let's talk about social events. 
if you know you're going to go to a friend's house or you're going to go to a dinner or a cookout or, or something of that nature, um, I would recommend for you to go ahead and try to figure out. And again, don't like, you don't want to be that person going to a family meal or a friend's house with your Tupperware. And I'm not going to tell you to do that. But I am telling you that if you have a very specific goal, you are on a particular nutrition plan and you can't really afford to, you know, screw it up over the weekends, this may be something that you need to implement. So, you know, through asking questions or just conversation, try to figure out what the plan for eating is going to be at this event. If you can take into account whatever they're going to have, it allows for you to go ahead and plan ahead your day of eating before that particular event happens. Um, uh, another way that you could do this same practice would be to simply, uh, and again, a lot of times people overeat on the weekend, so that's kind of who I'm uh, tailoring this answer to and, and what I'm tailoring this uh, method to, so just kind of keep that in mind, would be to simply undereat a little bit in the morning. Uh, that could look like whatever normal breakfast portion you would have on the weekend, maybe cut that in half. And what that allows you to do would be to have a, a little extra leeway in your macros or your calories for the day so that when you get there, you can enjoy and you can maybe indulge and, and have some fun with your friends, have a drink or two, and not have to worry about blowing your macros out of the water. So really, that's the, the first thing that I would do. Now, the second thing that I would do is what this is one that I typically would uh, use when, uh, when I wasn't doing the 75 Hard program. Uh, it's basically called the Rob Peter to Pay Paul method. Um, the, guys, this isn't ideal. This isn't something that you should, um, you know, this obviously in a perfect world, we would just want to plan for everything and have a good day with it or have a good time with it. But uh, we're not in a perfect world and sometimes it takes some, um, some trickery or some tactics to get there. So um, an example would be if you have a social event coming up uh, and, and again, for me, this is when uh, the, the wife and I would go out on a date. Like I'd take Megan out. We would go to um, go to dinner or dinner and a movie or something like that. Um, I would ultimately fast in the morning. So I would wake up in my normal time. Go to, you know, Let's say if it's a Saturday, I would wake up in my normal time. I would go work out. Um, and I wouldn't eat breakfast. I would only have a protein shake. Um, and, and then when I got home, it would be you know, 11, 30, 12 o'clock. I might have my normal lunch. And then I would go throughout my day. And what would happen is that when we would go to dinner in the afternoons uh, or the evening, I would have basically two meals worth of calories and macros that I could eat. And this would allow me to have a cheeseburger, to have some fries, maybe have a couple beers and enjoy my time with my wife without having to stress about making things fit. So that's the, the first method I would do it would just be simply fast in the morning and then have your normal lunch and go through the rest of your day with that excess of calories and macros on the back half of your day. Uh, another way that you can take that same method and kind of tweak it a little bit would be uh, to eat mostly protein and veggies in the morning. And the reason why I say protein and veggies is because we know that when we go out to eat or when we go to any social event, we're likely going to just be overloaded with tons of carbs and fats. So if we account for that inside of our morning plan and how we do things, this leaves us tons of carbs and fats in the afternoons to make things work. So those are uh, two things that I would do um, with that Rob Peter to pay Paul method. Now, the, the last uh, kind of tactic to weekend nutrition um, is going to go out to my folks who typically undereat. Because really, I find there's two camps. There's one person that typically will overeat. 
and then there's one person that would under eat a ton. Uh, my uh, my under eaters, this is this is the the ones I were speaking this tactic to. So this is a very simple approach and one that will just um, give you kind of like an you know an audio trigger to to do what you need to do. So it's pretty simple. Set meal alarms on your phone. Now you may listen to that and you may say like, oh man, that's too rigid. I can't do it. Well, when you when you need a specific result, you have to do a specific input. All right, write that down. When you need a specific result, you need specific input. So you have to do things like set alarms in your phone that say go eat. Because let's say you're in a calorie deficit and you undereat six to seven hundred calories on the weekends then it's likely that your calorie deficit is going to be kind of messed up and you're not going to be able to really measure what is working or not working because you've undereaten so significantly on the weekends. So when you have that alarm that goes off on your phone, whether it be every two to three hours, it could just simply be a trigger for you to go eat so that when you're stuck in the, you know, the car and you're making errands everywhere and you're, or you're at home and you're just relaxing and then meals are kind of the last thing you're thinking about, this would give you that reminder of like, Hey, you've got goals, go eat so that you can get to those goals. Um, and it, and it's something that will go off cyclically. And again, it's going to have to take a little bit of planning on the front end and for you to take some personal responsibility to do that, to continue pushing towards your results. So those are really the three tactics that I would use for uh, those of you out there that really struggle with the proper nutrition practices on the weekends. Second question or uh, second topic. Best practices for training and nutrition while stressed. So a very simple approach when it comes to this conversation. We live in a world where our bodies are stressed to near maxes all the time. Um, you know, with it, whether it be uh, work, lack of sleep, life stresses, family stresses, especially right now, there's tons of family stresses. There's so many things going on that stress out your body. <clears throat> There's one important concept that we need to remember. Your training and nutrition are also stress, right? That, that's, that's why they work. So when you exercise, when you lift weights, when you do conditioning, when you move barbells and dumbbells and kettlebells and all these things, you elicit stress on your body. <clears throat> your body perceives that stress, says, okay, that's stress that I need to be more prepared for next time. It adapts through gaining muscle, through making your body more efficient at processing oxygen, whatever it may be, whatever your training is. And then it makes it so that next time you do that stress again, you can handle it a little bit better. But there is a limit to how much stress you can handle. The same thing goes for your nutrition. It is stressful for your body to take, you know, body fat and to turn it into energy, right? So when... And, and there will be a point to where your body actually is too stressed and doesn't feel safe enough to do things like that, right? So we have to keep in mind that when it comes to training and nutrition and life, we have to balance all three of these things. That's why getting a coach is so important because the uh, knowing that that needs to happen and you know keying in on the things that are happening along the way doesn't happen if you're finding, if you're, you're just attending um, you know, doing a template or following something online, or you just have just kind of a basic workout program that you do. There's no coach to really modify things and to key into when you are overstressed and stuff. So, um, my best practices for training and nutrition when you're stressed is typically going to be do a little bit less training. And if you are in a calorie deficit, it would be to increase you back to maintenance calories again. 
Um, and, and the reason why I say that is because those things help to reduce stress. Because if we think of like stress, like a bucket, there is almost there is only so much stress that you can put it, put into your bucket before it starts overflowing. And ultimately, reducing training and taking your calories from you know whether from a cut back to maintenance might be a good idea to get your stress down a little bit more and for you to adapt on a better level to um, what you essentially have going on in your life. So best practice for training and nutrition is typically to do a little less and to eat a little bit more and to really hone in on your lifestyle stuff like sleep, proper hydration, um, you know, proper things to calm you down like meditation, journaling, breath work, all those types of things help to reduce stress so that you can eventually ramp back up your training and nutrition again in the future. So uh, let's go ahead and jump into the last topic for the day. So my favorite way to program um, is going to be based off of a bunch of different things. So when I program, I group my programs into basically what who what is the goal of the person that I'm training, number one. Um, the second thing would be how long have they been training, how many days do they have to train, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I, I take all these individual pieces into account. Um, unless I'm making a group program for like my gym or you know another person's gym or whatever it may be. So once we take all these things into account, um, I have a, a variety of templates that I use. And the templates are just frameworks in which I work inside of for my client um, to deliver them to their results. So in most cases, we'll talk specifically first about uh, full body training. So all of my training systems and programming goes basically in the same order. There's some sort of warm up or activation in the beginning. When I go through that activation, I'm just looking to do two to three sets of various exercises that will activate um, the muscles that are going to be used for the day and to get the client warm. Not necessarily to fatigue them, but to just kind of prime them for the day, for the training for the day. So that circuit might look something like hamstring work, like direct hamstring work, banded hamstring curls, you know, uh, hamstring walkouts, glute bridges, things of that nature. And then I'll throw in something like upper back work, whether it be banded pull-aparts, banded face pulls, uh, upright rows, things like that. And then some sort of core activation or um, anti-rotational exercise, whether that be a plank, side plank, sit-ups, things of that nature. So I'm trying to warm up the body from head to toe. Again, this is low intensity exercise, just something to um, warm up and prime the person for the day. That could look like, you know, two to three sets of 15 banded hamstring curls, followed up by 15 uh, face pulls, followed up by a 20 second side plank on each side. And I'll do that and I'll throw maybe 30 to 60 seconds rest in between each set. And that primes the, the client for their training for the day. Typically, the, again, depending on what the person's goal is, I might throw, or you know, how long they've been training, I might throw in some sort of like explosive work, like jumping, throwing, sprinting. Again, it'll be two to three sets. And then um, this is just basically to prime their nervous system for the day. So an example would be maybe they have a back squat you know, back squat is the focus of the day. I might have them do some seated box jumps or some broad jumps beforehand. If they're going to do like a bench press or some sort of vertical pressing, I might then have them do like a ground face, or I'm sorry, a chest to ground facing med ball chest pass. I might have them do a med ball pass to the wall, plyo push ups, 
just something to prime their nervous system for the day. So again, we're talking about full body training here. The general layout that I will use would be just using each movement or choosing a movement from each movement pattern that we see. So that's going to be a pushing movement, whether that be horizontal or vertical pushing. There's going to be a pulling movement. There's going to be a hip hinge dominant movement. There's going to be a uh, so push, pull, hip, um, knee dominant movement. So that could be a squat or a lunge. And there's going to be some sort of core dominant movement. Now, basic framework would be, let's say on day one, I'll pick two different metric based lifts that we will track and measure across the program. So an example could be maybe the first compound lift is going to be a back squat for, you know, somewhere between three to six sets. And I'll have them do, you know, three to eight reps based off of whatever the goal is, whether it be strength or muscle building. Now, what we'll do is we'll track and we'll try to increase the loading, increase the reps, or increase the tension across the, the amount of weeks that we choose in that first compound lift. Then I'll pick another compound metric-based lift. And if I used a squat in the first compound, that's going to be take the you know take into account our knee dominant movement. Maybe I will do a pushing movement. So that might be you know bench press or a strict press. Same thing here based off of goals, three to six sets for you know three to eight reps. And then we might look to progress that in reps in load or in tempo across the amount of weeks that we choose. Now from there, if I've used a squatting movement and I've used a pushing movement, really I've got a hip dominant, a pulling, and then a core movement left. So what we can typically do would be, and this is really one of my favorite ways to do it, is to always leave the core exercise for last. And I might do that pulling and that hip dominant movement in a superset with a you know a 20 to 30 second break in between three to four sets, anywhere between eight and 20 reps, really, because we're looking to just do some extra hypertrophy work, because in a lot of cases, we've done strength work in the beginning of the training session, and um, we'll do those in a superset. <clears throat> and then I'll finish up with a core exercise. Now, in most cases, this is going to be great for most people, and maybe they could do some walking or some low-intensity cardio or something like that. But for those of us who are in the functional fitness realm, we might finish with some sort of Metcon or some sort of, of uh, interval aerobic based workout to close out that full body training. And then on day two, I would just take those same five movement patterns and I would mix them around a little bit. So let's say day two, if we did a squat and a bench as our metric based lift, I might go with like a trap bar deadlift as my metric based lift and a bent over row as my second. So then I've taken the hip hinge and the pulling and then the remaining three movements will be mixed in a superset with core work being last or maybe I might mix in core work with uh, one of the other movement patterns and something else being last. And that would be the flow, the general flow across the program. In most cases, the person doing full body training is only training three to four days a week and they'll get a little stimulus of that movement pattern throughout the week. Um, to, to, you know, get the results that they're looking for. So that's how I would, that's one of my favorite ways to program for uh, full body. Now, let's say, you know, that full body person is training three, four days a week. Um, you know, let's say I get a person who's training four days a week and I decide to go with like an upper body program. And I'll be honest with you, one of my favorite ways to program is going to be an upper lower split. I just think that's great. I think you can do it for a person that trains five days or a person that trains four days. It doesn't really matter. Um, and then ultimately, if the person is requiring more upper body strength, 
I might start their training program for the week or their cycle, their micro cycle every week with an upper body day. So they go upper, lower, upper, lower, upper. They get three upper body days and two lower body days. And then I would flip that based off of, you know, if the person needs more lower body work, then I would have the lower body day start the cycle and then they would go lower, upper, lower, upper, lower. So that's really, um, you know, some people will program like a push-pull um, or a, a upper-lower push-pull legs or something like that. I just find that going upper-lower, upper-lower is just, uh, or lower, upper, lower, upper is going to be a good way to go about it. So for the upper body day, same thing is going to apply as on the full body day. I'll have an activation circuit. We might do some shoulder work, upper back work, stability prep or mobility. This could be banded stretches. This could be overhead carries, things of that nature to work on increasing the upper body uh, mobility and strength. And then just basically activating and warming up the muscles for the day. Uh, And then again, based off of the goal, based off of the main lift of the day, we'll do a jump, a throw, a sprint, a slam, something of that nature to um, prep the nervous system for the day. Now, very similar again to the full body day, we've got two metric based lifts. An example of that would be, I would go either um, horizontal or horizontal or vertical pushing for the first lift and then um, horizontal or vertical pulling for the second lift. And you can flip flop those if you would like. And then the accessories are going to be supplements for the metric based movements for the day. So um, one of my favorite ways to do this and just uh, just for an example, would be to go horizontal or vertical push. Let's say we go vertical push for the first metric base lift. Then I'll go vertical pull for the um, the second metric base lift of the day because I've got two metric base lifts on my upper body day. And then when I get down to my accessory movements, if I went vertical push, vertical pull, I'll change it into uh, the accessory movements will be horizontal push, horizontal pull. That way I get a good stimulus for each one of those. And then on my second upper body day, I would flip that. I would go horizontal push, horizontal pull, vertical push, vertical pull for my accessory movements. And then any isolation work that I want to do after that. And then obviously conditioning, finishers, EDTs, aerobic work, uh, you know, low intensity cardio. I will do that at the end of that particular training session. Now, another thing to reserve the exercises for the, or the uh, accessory exercises or the isolation work for would be for those weak areas, for those areas that need to be built up um, that they're maybe struggling with. So, you know, if they have a specific weakness that you're trying to work on, or if you have a specific weakness that you're trying to work on and you go with that vertical push, vertical pull, you can take those two accessory movements to kind of back that up. So let's say you... Um, have weak lats, you might do something like a supinated banded pull down for higher reps so you can work in that vertical position still and just get those extra reps or get those extra contractions in on those muscles. And the same thing would apply. You can choose to superset those or not, but I, in most cases, I'll run, you know, three to six sets on my metric base, anywhere between three and eight reps for my accessory base movements, three to four sets, anywhere between eight and 20. And then um, any isolation movements that you want to throw in, make sure to take into account what you've done for that day. And the same thing would apply for the conditioning. I'll also make the conditioning for the day. I'll also make that an upper body specific day or uh, an upper body focus inside of that. So, um, and again, keeping taking into account how much, um, how many reps and how much volume we've done in that day as a whole without really trying to overload that person. Now, Let's talk specifically about a lower body day and um, 
of what that would look like if I was in an upper lower split. Um, and lower body day might be activation circuit, hamstrings, upper back, anti-rotational core work, two to three sets. Again, just prepping the body. I'll throw in my explosive work, jumping, throwing, sprinting, etc. And then we'll get into on a on a lower body day, guys. I'm one that will typically just go with one metric based lift. Now, the reason why I do that is because in most cases, um, if we're going to do multiple lower body uh, exercises that week, I don't want to go and blow it out of the water on my first lower body day. So um, when it comes to lower body lifts, I also classify uh, hip hinge movements into that. So if we're going to go with a heavy squat or a high rep squat situation, typically that's I don't want to do any other heavy elements with that because the load is so much more fatiguing on the nervous system. And the same thing would apply if you're going to do any sort of hip hinge. So that could be remaining deadlift, trap bar deadlift, um, conventional, elevated, um, it, any hip hinge, uh, heavy barbell glute bridge. All of those things are going to really fatigue the nervous system. So I'll keep that metric-based lift to just one on a lower body day, three to six sets. I'll keep it at right three to three to eight reps roughly. And then accessory movements very similar to the upper body day will complement that for the day. Now, this could look like, you know, front squat, four sets times, three reps, maybe pausing, I don't know, three seconds in the bottom. Then maybe I'll go my accessory exercise. Let's say the person has weak hamstrings. I might have them do uh, like a, a kettlebell front rack box step up. And then I might throw in, uh, you know, hollow body hold or hollow rocks or something of that nature to, to work on the core at the um, end of their training session. Um, and then again, conditioning, EDTs, Metcons, all those different things, aerobic work, all taking into account that uh, what accessory movement I've done for that day. And uh, if you've done something like heavy deads or heavy squats, you don't want to go and have this, you know, really terribly fatiguing conditioning workout after that. Um, so you just want to take all those things and keep them in mind when you do that. Now, uh, one more method that I like to do, uh, again, I talked about, like I, I use movement patterns when I program, uh, whether it's functional fitness, bodybuilding, powerlifting, doesn't matter. Movement patterns are movement patterns. It works for everybody. It's a concept. It's a fundamental concept that you can't avoid. I will take those movement patterns and I might mix them around. So, you know, if we got push, pull, hip, knee, core, uh, those my those my five movement patterns. You could also do single leg and, and, and make it a sixth one if you want. But I might do like a squat and a pushing day, and then I might do a hip hinge and a pulling day. I might do a single leg, a pushing, and a core day, taking into account how many times a week that person is going to train, how much time do they have to be in the gym, what's their training age, how familiar with training are they, and then I will mix and mingle those patterns around not stacking them on top of each other throughout the week. When it comes to my group uh, fitness programs, that is typically the way that I have the most success with the upper upper lower split as well. So, you know, Monday could be like a a squat single leg core day. Tuesday could be, um, you know, push, pull, hip hinge. Wednesday could be um, squat and single leg. And then I will have them rotate in that in that order for a cycle and then I might change it for the next cycle but this will give because in a lot of situations a group person you're not going to see them uh, like they're a lot of times they're not going to make the make it to the gym all week for all six days they might come a certain amount of days and when you move the movement pounds around like that you're more likely to give that person exactly what they need as they come to the gym or you as a client listening to this 
might see what you need more frequently based off of the um, the amount of frequency that you see these patterns in the training every week. So um, guys, those are my favorite ways to program. And, and if you are a client who gets programmed, you probably see that in your training. Or if you are a client looking for training like that, you can always reach out to us. You can uh, reach me at CodyAverageWithFit.com. You can also click the link in the show here and sign up for coaching to work with uh, one of our amazing coaches who also use these programs or use these um, principles inside of their training. So guys, I hope this was helpful to you. I hope this was something that enlightened you and you walk away a little bit smarter than when you got on the show. Um, So thanks for joining me today and we will see you on the next episode.